0: Now we're recording. Hello, everybody. I'm
1: Sarah Black.
0: I'm Theo Black. And uh, we are on week three of rom-coms, which, uh, let me tell you, has been a mixed bag. I'm gonna. I'm...
1: I know. I was gonna say, you have to talk about one of the rom coms we, <laughs> we watched because I, I feel like you don't want to talk about it either for, for very different reasons. <laughs> for
0: very different reasons. I have things to say about Adam's Rib. I don't really. Okay, so the first movie we're gonna talk about is Neptune's Daughter, which for the life of me, I, I, I was watching it and I was like, ah, oh, this is really rough. And I, I had to work through the movies this week because I've got a lot of stuff going on at work, but I was paying attention even paying attention. I don't remember most of this movie. I watched it not even a week ago and I don't remember most of this movie. It was so, okay. So you're heads gonna, up, you're gonna... we're gonna
1: give wild spoilers for the classic and much loved Neptune's Daughter. Okay, so I picked Neptune's Daughter for us to watch. I picked the movies we watched this month because we have long, um, Esther Williams is a legend in our family because she is part of a Monty Python joke where they do charades in a courtroom. And they have already gotten the clue not, which you think for the verdict, which you think would be enough for them to, you know, guess the rest of the verdict. I mean, when they said it was two words, you have enough for the verdict, but that's fine. And, and someone's mining like a fit miming, like fish for Gil, um, but they guess Esther Williams and the beloved Graham Chapman said, that's silly. How can you find someone not Esther Williams? And so, you know, we had to know who she was. Um and uh, and um but I've never actually seen anything of hers and so who Esther Williams was was a competitive swimmer and actress and she was in these films in the 40s and 50s known as aqua musicals and that's kind of all I really know about her to be honest but I've been curious cuz like when else have we I mean we these stars pop up from time to time where they're like famous for something else, but they, you know, Audie Murphy, like <laughs> in a way, you know, right. like these, um, there's Jim Cotta has, I think his name is Kirk Thomas. And it like, they, they, they'll take an athlete, they'll take someone who's famous in some other way and, and have them, you know, in movies. So I mean, I've been,
0: the, the rock is, is our, our current right. like, example. That's a very that.
1: good, good example. So I was curious about her and I think I picked Neptune's Daughter because it said it was actually romantic and it was from the right time period. It's from 1949.
0: So I looked Esther Williams up recently and I can't remember why. I think she was referenced in a movie, but I don't remember. And I was like, well, I only really know her from the Monty Python thing because as a younger person, I think I've seen every season of Monty Python because you owned every season of my Monty Python.
1: Flying Circus, so, their TV show. Flying
0: Circus, the TV show. And I've seen two of the movies i think there's only two or maybe there's a third one i forget
1: i think there's a third one there's um life of brian there's
0: um i've seen life of brian and i've seen My holy grail but i haven't seen whatever that i think is.
1: there's a third one or so anyway let's anyways this, this is off boring. off
0: point here but <laughs> what i'm saying is that so Monty python was a big thing growing up which means we quoted it constantly including how can you find something not esther williams right. um and so that and i looked her up recently and i'm like well i was curious to see an esther williams movie the other thing is esther williams like in the background of a lot of movies especially certain period pieces whether that's i mean whether that's you know 30s 40s 50s 60s 70s whatever i mean whatever decade we're talking about movie people making movies love to throw movie posters up in the background Mm -hmm. like it's just what you do if they're in in walking down the street in in whatever city and whatever era, you throw it up in the background. Like uh, the last picture show, I think, you know, has some posters in it that I should probably look up what they actually are. But Mm -hmm. like, it's just that thing, right? And it's like, I've seen things in the background where it's like starring Esther Williams. In fact, I watch Japanese, been watching a few of the Japanese noirs and I've been watching.
1: Right. You sent me that screen cap. There was an Esther Williams poster in the background.
0: Right. So it's like, it's not, the thing is, foreign cinema has always been big but bigger than foreign cinema probably is American cinema being exported so right. like in the background of a, of a movie from the 50s in China you're going to find well yeah. maybe not China I don't know China's a little different they're a little more how they do that but you're still going to find these posters in Japan and France and Germany whatever so like Esther Williams is a name that just kind of shows up yeah so now we and we sat down to watch Neptune's Daughter and you are going to you're going to start talking about this and how much you love it. And I have to let the people know this movie is terrible. It's awful. <laughs> it is so bad. It's, 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 it's problematic in ways that are, they're less. Okay. But, okay, overcome.
1: and uh, Hold on here. <laughs> I was expecting it to be kind of kitschy, weird late forties, early fifties stuff. And it is, but what I didn't realize is that it's also like, It's also exactly what it is. Okay, so do you want to summarize Neptune's Daughter or do you want to do the next movie? Uh,
0: You can do this one.
1: (laughs) Thank you. Um, For reasons (laughs) that don't really make any sense to me at all, Esther Williams and her sister go somewhere where the South American polo team is also. Um, I don't... South America is... Is treated like a country in this movie. I know in sports you can have continents compete against one another from time to time. I feel like that I, happened, but it's it's, it's usually it's,
0: countries and not continents. But I do yeah. think there is occasionally like an exhibition match, or, or something. it's like a I don't certain
1: know. yeah. Anyway, it's I mean this should give you an idea of what we're dealing with here. Um, Esther Williams' character's sister played by um betty garrett and i think that's like her character's name also um falls in love with what she thinks is jose o'rourke one of the polo players but is actually red skeleton jack spratt pretending to be jose o'rourke um and then in her attempts to protect her sister esther williams ends up with the real jose o'rourke who kind of takes this all in stride wacky hijinks ensue offensive stereotypes of south americans ensue um and there's very little swimming which i found quite disappointing and that's kind of it
0: you 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 are leaving out the fact that she esther williams eve barrett is the character (laughs) name is like a top person like designer of swimsuit wear at a company yeah and, it doesn't yeah.
1: really matter to her though, because she's willing to give it up in an instant.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's that, that. That reminded me of Covergirl, kind of.
1: Yeah, anyway, so I, I know you want to, and and this film totally deserves it. I know you want to shit all over it, but do you want me to go into? what I found fascinating by the, about this you, movie. You probably
0: First. should, just so we don't alienate anyone right off the bat. Uh, you go into why you like this.
1: Okay, <laughs> so I was expecting like kitschy movie from the late 40s, but what I actually got is something that we're more familiar with. It's a movie that's kind of cold-heartedly trying to make money. It's a little bit of a gimmick to begin with. You've got Esther Williams. So you think about something like Jim Cotta, where you have Kirk Thomas. Like you have... You have this person you're hoping will draw in a certain audience. Um, and then you've got, like, you've got her for as little as you can. And then you fill in the space with, like, nonsense. And, and, and that way, it reminds me of, like, mostly 90s movies where you see that kind of thing. Where it's, like, here's this one named star and then all these other things going on. It also weirdly reminded me of like a television variety show um, because it was like a series of weird different things that were all in a movie together. Um, Eve Barrett played by Esther Williams, as you said, her, her business partner is in another movie that's occurring within this movie where he is having noir voiceovers really that, that's not tonally matching the kind of bright technicolor look of the movie there's a whole segment with um Xavier Kugat's band that just seems to happen um Red Skelton and Betty Garrett like are, are filling as much time as they possibly can like I think we watch Red Skelton try to get on a horse for 10 minutes um, Mel Blanc shows up and does his Speedy Gonzales type thing, which is no longer um, considered kosher, um, I would imagine. And it's it's very disconnected. Everything is very disconnected. So it felt kind of like a variety show, but this is 1949 and television wasn't really a thing. But the other weird thing to me too, though, is like Red Skelton and Ricardo Montalban are both in this and both of them become TV actors or TV comedians, in Red Skeleton case, eventually. So it has these kind of, like, odd... I think it's, it's from the future, but they put, like, reverse time was happening. So we have a movie from the 1949... The 1949... From 1949 that reflects <laughs> things that are to come. Um, yeah, so it's got... It it was interesting to me in in the way that it it reminded me of later Cynical Cash and that but that kind of I wonder what her other movies are like, because she's she seemed to be acting fine. She didn't have a character to play. So, I mean, she was just kind of this crazy woman. So, you know, who can say about that? It didn't seem to do anything with her swimming, barely. So that wasn't the appeal. So it really reminded me of like a a crappy movie that doesn't have the rock in it. Like it has Kurt Angle in it or something like that, you know, like, like (laughs) that kind of a thing where you.
0: I wonder what he'd be like as an actor. Um, Yeah, no. So if if I may jump in here. um,
1: I I have more to say, but I'm gonna let you talk a little bit.
0: Basically what all you're saying is true. That is kind of interesting. I think the amount of interesting and enjoyment you're getting out of it is disproportionate to how interesting I feel it is that being said it, you know we it, it's all subjective who cares uh Mel Blank, I didn't really know who Mel Blank was before this movie I think I'd heard of him like I kind of knew of of his his that like the guy who did Bugs Bunny was also the guy who did you know whatever and so on and yeah I remember watching Speedy Gonzalez cartoons as a kid and I hadn't thought of Speedy Gonzales probably in like 20 or 25 years. Cause I just, I don't know. It's not like it comes up very often anymore, except I probably in reference to how it's problematic. Cause Mel Blank was, I think uh, I, I'm trying to like, trying to figure out what his, where he comes from, but I think he's a Jewish guy from, from sort of European origin as far as I'm aware, but I could be wrong. Um, and like, it was interesting to see him and his character. And it's like, that's problematic, certainly. And then, you know, Ricardo Montalban, who is actually um, of uh, I forget what his descent is, but he does have a uh, Latin, you know, Latin he's heritage. From
1: Mexi- he was born in Mexico City.
0: Right. And I think he had a career in Mexico, as far as I understand it, and is much more famous for later being Khan in Star mm-hmm. Trek stuff. And I haven't seen it. I I get it. Khan! I get it. I don't. <laughs> anyways.
1: He was also in uh, Fantasy Island and right. stuff so like that.
0: So he's, but- you know, a famous actor. So it's kind of interesting. It's like there's all these little interesting pieces in this movie this isn't it's not a bad movie where like it's got a it's not like what you know a bad roger corman movie where it's kind of amusing and there's some interesting it's not ideas. monster
1: a go-go is that what we need to say at this point
0: yeah it's not monster a go-go like but it's also i'm also trying to say it's not like good but enough. it's not
1: robot monster it's either. not robot
0: monster yeah <laughs> it's like it's not entertaining enough to really be a bad good movie like i can't recommend this to like you know the red letter media crowd like right this (laughs) is that's (laughs) the
1: funny thing because the the red letter media mystery science theater uh how did this get made i don't know how well how did this get made does it but i don't think mystery science theater or red letter like ever do rom-coms like when people think about bad movies, they don't tend to now. I know how did this get made has done some because they can be bonkers and amusing, but it's not usually. I'm not sure how much the bad movie crowd and the rom com crowd really over overlaps. The,
0: the, here's here's my theory about that, and it, it is related to this because like this movie is just bad, and it's not. It wasn't that entertaining to me. I could see this being for a certain kind of crowd of like, wow, this is so silly, and and it's so there's so much problematic, not even just in the like stereotypes but also in the relationships yeah and it's Blanc, gotten, like yeah it's,
1: what is it we were, we've been talking about like you know is bad representation better than no representation and then there's like you know Ricardo Montalblanc Jose O'Rourke is like the Latin lover stereotype and it's like on its surface like what's wrong with you know South American Central American men being sexy it's just it's like the accent thing, like in, in this movie that the accent is the joke a bunch, and that's yeah. not good, you know. No,
0: and and again, if it's the only conversion you're seeing of a particular group, right. It's it's bad. And so it's anyways, and, it's he's, and he's South
1: American. I mean, that's part of the problem. Is in yeah. the movie he's South American, and I, I I'm North American. It doesn't really. Yeah, no, it doesn't mean anything. Doesn't
0: mean anything. Um, shoot, I forgot where I was originally. Oh, Sorry, it's, it's, I. No, no, you're good. But so like. There's, I have this theory that basically action movies, sci-fi movies, and fantasy movies are the best bad, good movies. And the reason for that is that those genres, like sci-fi movies, tend to have interesting ideas. But when somebody really loses the logic in a sci-fi movie, it's a lot easier to like laugh about it and go big about it because it just makes no sense on such an epic scale. Fantasy, it's usually entertaining because it's just so raunchy and dumb. Like they make it as stupid as humanly possible. And action movies are often entertaining as bad movies because it's like these ridiculous setups to get to an action scene. Now, also male genres in general. Sci-fi and fantasy. I guess sci-fi is sci-fi is not really a male genre, but fantasy, at least the bad good the bad bad movies. This is
1: what they're considered.
0: Yeah, like so you're being
1: awfully heteronormative there
0: right i am being awfully heteronormative <laughs> this i'm talking about this in, in a broad sense Anyway, yeah. so that's 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 like what you get for bad movies but like there's some dramas that are like or rom-coms or any genre that could be bad good it's just that when when a couple is having problems like it's not on such a grand scale where it's like amusing how like what out there they're going and so neptune's daughter like approaches that because it is just so ridiculous and so bad that shit about some of its stuff but again, it's not like we're not in outer space, we're not fighting aliens. There's not like grander things to consider. So I could I I could see this being, I could see there being a bad good genre out there that isn't as fleshed out because you know a lot of the stuff we tend to watch seems to be heteronormatively male-centered, but I don't know. Anyways, but, but this is all to say that I still don't remember most of this movie.
1: <laughs> okay, I mean, I was gonna kind of give you i was gonna give way a little more on this but now i feel like fighting back just a little bit because i do remember now that how did it get made did safe harbor which is one of those nick sparks i think that they turned into and it has josh demel and stuff in it yeah and it's a different kind of funny definitely than like robot monster yeah And, and i don't know who the audience really is but if you like this kind of thing like it is it's it's you know, it's offensive and and you know problematic and so on. But there's just there's a nonsensicalness to the characters and what they're doing. Ricardo Montalban or, or Jose Orourke keeps he's in love with the woman who thinks that he's sleeping with her sister and and this is clear like or dating her sister whatever. And this is not this is this isn't a big misunderstanding. Like she keeps accusing him of it. He never seeks to solve the mystery of why this woman thinks he, he's just like no i'm not like yeah so this in order to keep the conflict going but because of this i start to just view the whole movie from his point of view and i, I just want to say there was an amazing sequence in this movie of he um he hunts her down she's in a pool they don't seem to like each other well he's in love with her but i don't know why and she seems to hate him but somehow at the end of this five minute conversation she is moved to go talk to her noir voiceover business partner who's also in love with her and tell him that she is leaving tonight or tomorrow to marry jose and that she's giving up the business And changing her life entirely. And this has happened, even she's like, "Ah, everything changed in the last hour. She's just like, she's a little confused too. But her sister walks in and is like, I'm marrying Jose O'Rourke. And again, no one has bothered to clear up what's going on here so that this conflict can continue. There's also been a very aggressive thing with these flowers with her business partner, like like being mean to her for not immediately putting them in water. And then she goes to put them in water, but doesn't. So they never go in water. I mean, these are the things that, you know, capture me. So now Eve, Esther Williams, is furious because clearly (laughs) Jose also is in love with her sister and engaged to her and again no effort she our our man Jose who is like thinks he's good now he's gold he's got the woman he loved to marry him like shows up at her door and she's like I hate you like never show up my, my door again and slams the door on him and he's kind of maybe starting to wonder if he should figure out what's really going on when men run from an elevator and chloroform him <laughs> and drag him off. And I was like crying laughing at this point, just like you would not believe the day this man has happened. And I just crying laughing and I'm looking at you and our mother was watching with us. are just kind of like, <laughs> like, not <laughs> interested. But it was, to me, it was hysterical. Um, and also the part where Red Skelton gets hit in the head with a croquet mallet and is clearly dead, but he continues <laughs> to act throughout the whole film. So I, I, it's, it's got some special, it's, uh, yes, it's, it's no mon- robot monster, but it's got some real, it, it, it takes me to that place of Gigi and Lily. It's yeah. not as good as Gigi or Lily. You have to watch Red Skelton try and get on a horse for 10 minutes and it's not funny. But I, I, it's got some stuff going for it, and there's a few other scenes that are also wacky that I kind of enjoyed.
0: I, I, I think we've discovered something here, and it is, I, it isn't, it is a little heteronormative in my mind. But we're going to branch out from <laughs> say that, like, you know, red letter media and the bad good movies and MST3K. I feel like that came from a male place in general. Right. Now let's move away from that. Everybody likes bad good movies, whatever genre. Who cares? Right. But like rom coms and musicals and stuff like that, you don't necessarily get bad good bad good movies like that you don't think of those necessarily in the same terms i think so what we've discovered is that like the apple um which is by this which is the canon group or the canon films whatever yeah i mean the same group that did life force which is sci-fi but whatever uh but then there's also we did bus stop yes i watched Gigi. i watched lily now we've got Neptune's Daughter, which didn't work for me. But you know what? If this is your bad, good movie, <laughs> I'm now on board with that. Because you know what? It totally Thank fits. You. You're welcome. It fits into that genre. But we have to clarify that it's bad, good. And I, it didn't work for me. It's a little too, I don't know, something for me. It's a little too problematic. I couldn't quite get past all the problematic elements of it to enjoy it. So yeah, didn't get there for me. But like, this goes into that bucket, which is why it's like, we need to open up our our bad good movie (laughs) to to be more than what's on the the the, the mst3k and red letter media because they're the big ones for we need to expand
1: thank you you're welcome well like i said how did it get made which is a podcast they they do cover they've done the apple they've done they've done more stuff that's geared towards a feminine audience let's say i only have one more thing to really say about this and i don't know if you have anything else to say because i I don't think i've said
0: (laughs) said, i haven't said a single thing about the actual movie other than it's terrible and i really don't have anything it's it is terrible the few interesting scenes are when esther williams swims and other than that have fun yeah i
1: don't think this is like i'm i'm still curious about her movies like if like, I'd like to see one where she, she actually swim. It's just so weird. That is really where it makes me think of, like, they're trying to get you in the theater with her name, even though yeah. she's not in it as much as you'd expect her to be in. She doesn't swim as much as you'd expect her to be. Um, but you know, this is an Academy Award winner, Theo.
0: Yes, I am aware.
1: <laughs> Why is it an Academy Award winner?
0: The song, right? The best
1: it's- original song. Baby, it's cold outside, which has gotten a lot of Internet flack in the last few years for perpetuating rape culture. Yeah, um, I don't have anything too intelligent to contribute to that discussion. I didn't even know it as a song until the Internet was upset about it. And this is
0: I, where it comes from. For the records is where well, it, it
1: it was written before. And apparently I, I tried to read an article about it. And like, yeah, I can't. Yeah, it was it.
0: written like five or 10 years before, but it did not become publicly a song until this movie.
1: Right. And the way it is in this movie is like classic. Like it is uncomfortable because she really does want to leave. Um, Esther Williams character really does. Like the fact that this is a love story is kind of hysterical to me, but she doesn't want to leave and he's getting her to stay. And it, and it's not this um, I've heard it argued that the original was more about the fact that, as a woman, you're not allowed to stay. So this is kind of what she has to go through in order to, to appear virtuous, even though what she really wants is to stay with this guy. Right. Um, that's not it in the movie. In the movie, Esther Williams seems to really want to go. And he's like, no, you need to stay. And then it switches to where it's Red Skelton really wants to leave. And the sister character is making him stay. And I understand the comedy of that, but that doesn't age well, you know, and then he does leave and he remembers that it's actually his house and it's it's that like now it's like, it's not it's like granddad humor. It's like
0: yeah, well, what you're, what you're saying is it's is... playing
1: with the gender norms of the time but yeah. those gender norms are now outdated you know, yeah. which is something we'll actually deal with in the next movie too um, so it's 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 a it's it's a dated little piece. <laughs> yeah, I, mean. I was about
0: to say what you're what you mean, what you mean to say there is the whole movie is dated, like almost <laughs> every part of it. Like, the, yeah. the Technicolor is dated technically, although that can look really good for some movies. All the actors, you know, of course, dated if we really want to look at that. And then anything to do with the story or characters is dated. All of
1: yeah. it. Uh, it's, yeah, it's yeah, it's not a good rom-com. I, I don't recommend it to people like go see. I happened one night. Watch *Ninotchka*. Watch yeah. *I Married a Witch*. Watch *Lady Eve*. <laughs> watch, if you want to watch a good rom-com, watch any of those. If you're like me and you have a weird thing for seeing the norms of heteronormative '40s and '50s society played out in a ridiculous way to modern sensibilities, like you might get—you might end up cry laughing as Ricardo Montalban is pulled away. <laughs> Chloroformed, chloroformed and dragged into it you haven't even a, explained
0: why he's being chloroformed it doesn't matter nothing it that really doesn't it doesn't matter it That doesn't whole matter. plot
1: is is so is so yeah well that's I, where I, the whole movie feels like like ten, like every every sub there's no plot there's only a bunch of subplots that don't connect to each other
0: yeah i and again i've barely said anything about what actually happens in this movie because who cares
1: yeah i, I mean
0: somebody you care i don't. anyways so oh, yeah, yeah
1: I'm, i mean i'm not i'm not really recommending it but i'm standing up for it just a tiny bit
0: <laughs> excellent okay so uh let's do adam's rib
1: so i picked adam's rib because uh and we're spoilers for adam's rib and, and any anything we might talk about right um, because I know that Spencer Tracy and Katherine Hepburn were in a number of movies together, and I'm not really well versed on either of them, you know, as far as these things go. Uh, it's also directed by George Cooker, who I feel like we may have even discussed before. Um,
0: I don't remember because he's he, he was he's,
1: a uh, director f- for a long time. Um, yeah,
0: he was early Hollywood, I think 30s to 50s, maybe is his range, roughly, maybe a little more than mm-hmm. that. He's, uh, he's kind of famous for ha Well, I think he was openly gay, but or openly, you know, sexually yeah. free of some kind. I think it was gay specifically. But, yeah. um, and he still made movies and was a fairly popular guy. And he just mentioned having, i think i think he's one of the guys who had like good parties or something i think was george yeah and i
1: feel like he had a reputation that you know and we're going with outdated stereotypes here but because he was a gay man i think the way women were handled in his movies and and kind of that kind of focus was kind of different from what uh, i've heard heterosexual uh, male at the time would have been i've heard
0: Critics talk about this very thing, how like his women, I mean, maybe they're not perfect. And again, it it is still like they're Mm -hmm. they're more liberated in that area than you might think. And even some of them in a way where they could almost belong in the present day. But like there's I think the criterion even did a section called Cooker's Women. Yeah, yeah, they had three or four movies up there, and I, I didn't catch it. But so like he's so it's interesting from that, but also, and maybe you're about to get to this, Ruth Gordon. This is written by Ruth Gordon and Garson Kanan. I don't know Garson Kanan that well, but Ruth Gordon goes on to star in Harold uh, and Maude, right?
1: Right. And she's also in Rosemary's Baby. Um, and this mm. is much later in her life. Um,
0: yeah. So she's, she's kind of a well-known Hollywood. Well, and uh, she and
1: Garson Kanan were married. So they're a married couple. Mm, okay. Um, doing this. Uh, oddly enough, she's the older one, which, which is, you know. Not usual. Especially the further back you go, I feel like. Um, yeah. Yeah. And also, in case, I mean, we're assuming people know Spencer Tracy and Catherine Hepburn were famously a couple, but they were never married because Spencer Tracy was already married and very Catholic. So, however that logic worked, he could be in a relationship with Catherine Hepburn for decades, but not divorce his wife. And that is how that works, I guess. Don't. Uh, for the
0: record, if this is your first thing you're seeing of us, we were raised agnostic. We, we. <laughs> I know, I Catholic of, of the three big ones, which are the Abrahamic religions. I know more about being Jewish because of my own heritage, heritage <laughs> Muslim because my best friend is Muslim than I do about being Catholic.
1: Well, my Catholic my significant other went to Catholic high school, um, and knows I, more. My about ex, them.
0: one of my exes, was Catholic, so <laughs> yeah, I know a little bit.
1: But I mean, but this is this is the this is the facts of their relationship, to be perfectly honest. And I'm not trying to say anything about Catholicism, but more about Spencer Tracy and his interpretation of it. Yes. Um, So I don't know which movies of theirs came first. I don't know. um... Well, um,
0: for both you and me, I I, when I I post on Instagram, I post on Instagram when we watch these movies um, and I posted this was my first Spencer Tracy, Catherine Hepburn. And technically, that's a lie because I've seen Guess Who's Coming to Dinner which right. was the last movie they made last Spencer Tracy's last movie. He died days after it. He was very sick when they were making it. Right. Um, and uh, I, and I've seen that and you've seen that, but I think that was the only one we've seen you and me have seen where they were together in the movie. And I kind of don't, it's not one of their rom-coms or anything. It's, it's a, right. you know, a, a social political, it's a social commentary movie, um, which. With
1: Sidney Poitier and Sydney Potier,
0: like, yeah. yeah. So, you know, this is my first rom, ostensibly a rom-com between Spencer Tracy and Catherine Hepburn.
1: Right. And I believe they'd done others before. I mean, if you, you, you know, this is, this is Pigeon verte at our finest. We don't know much about what we're talking about when it comes to this. Um, I think I picked this one in Parks. It has Judy Holliday in it. And I really liked Turnborn Born Yesterday and wanted to see her in something else. And she's really good in it. Yeah. So we've talked all about this. Uh, your turn to do the plot.
0: Excellent. Okay, so Spencer Tracy and Catherine Hepburn both play lawyers. Um, They seem to be I think he's a district attorney, and she might be prosecution. Um, Did I get that confused?
1: He's definitely a district attorney, but she's just a lawyer. She's I just mean, a
0: lawyer. Right. right. If you're she's gonna a,
1: go up against the district attorney, you are prosecution, but you could th- also you. go I'm, up against other lawyers who aren't district attorneys. This had, is I've my understanding. This I've is my my understanding week. of how it works. I could be wrong.
0: They're both lawyers <laughs> and he seems to be district attorney. And a at the movie opens with Judy Holliday shooting a gun sort of at her cheating husband. Um, Tom Ewell, who we saw earlier this year, um, or wait, last year, late last year, in Seven Year Itch, poor guy is not playing roles that I particularly care for. Uh, And they end up, well, Spencer Tracy ends up with the case, and he has to, uh, he's trying to find uh, Judy Holliday's character guilty of attempted murder, I think. Um, And meanwhile, Catherine Hepburn decides to take up Judy Holliday's case because it's, a, it's about you know how you, it's okay if a man does something like this, he's protecting his family, but if, she, if a woman does it, she's gone crazy or whatever. Now the movie then continues and there's relationship strife right, because of the case and stuff happens and it's about, sort of about gender roles and women's rights and that's kind of it. And in a rare move for you and me, we asked our, you asked our mother, I didn't think about it, but I would have if I had to watch and try to explain it to us because she's not the age of this movie. She was born five years later, but it is close enough to her (laughs) that she understands it better than we do. (laughs) Well,
1: it's funny because you often are a little historically clueless to the point where you unless you're looking at bell bottoms and even then what 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 decade do bell bottoms belong in Thea? 70s? Good, but you heard how long he paused before he answered, right? He was not <laughs> confident when he said it. This is no, what I'm dealing not. with. Um, <laughs> but and so it's,
0: much disdain in her voice. Yeah,
1: I mean, although I'll be honest, you know, when it comes to things like noirs, I think you have a better grasp on kind of where they fit in. Oh, and actually, I was thinking, I forgot until now that this is a this is a post World War II. Rom-com. Yes. I wouldn't say Neptune's Daughter was even from <laughs> the same year, no. but this one, you know, when we were talking, I also struggled to really figure out where this fits. And I don't usually have that much of a problem with rom-coms.
0: Well, and I even, like, while we're watching it, I'm, like, asking you, like, is this a rom-com? Like, I have trouble with comedy often, so I'm, like, it's not even really just that, but it's, like, right? I couldn't tell what the jokes were. I can usually tell what the jokes were, and I just don't <laughs> laugh because I don't find them funny, but I was so lost.
1: But that was one of the more interesting things. So, our mom really did help us center this better, and in a way, we made her feel better about where the world has gone, because it really is kind of a post-war film, because during World War II the men were at war the women started doing men's I'm doing air quotes because you know this is just how it was considered at the time work they worked in factories they drove cars they did you know I mean um Marilyn Monroe I think got kind of her start in a factory like this was this would become more because her husband was away.
0: Yes, that's all correct. Yeah, she worked in a factory and said so they did have calendar or something, I think.
1: Right. <laughs> I don't think that would have been, that wouldn't have been during the war, but that would have just been, he was in the military. Um, but anyway, um, so then the men come back and now we have this weird issue where all these these things that we thought we, I mean, I wasn't alive at the time, but culturally were clear like women stay in the home men go work get the money take care of the ladies like that's not true anymore but they try to make it true again and it doesn't really work because it turns out some of the women liked being independent and liked you know doing that and so on so then whereas before in the 30s you kind of weren't thinking about these things. Men were men and women were women. And and of course, people were thinking about these things, but I'm talking in like broad cultural terms. Um, And so that wouldn't show up in the rom-com. It's kind of interesting in Inoczka, but I think that's kind of because Lubitsch and Wilder were more progressive people. Um, Wilder came from Berlin Mm -hmm. in the 30s, and that was a very you know non-traditional kind of a background so you you had that kind of stuff
0: when well, it's not too surprising i think this is how it works in the modern era you tend to look back at the directors you feel fit your era more such as wilder and probably lubish they were a little more progressive and so their movies resonate more now than say right ex- Neptune totally.
1: <laughs> well and i think the same goes even though you know it uh, happened one night and uh was popular very popular at the time i think part of the reason we still talk about it is exactly what you're talking about there because there's plenty of things that were really popular in their time that we don't talk about anymore yeah so anyway where was i going with all this so so this is kind of the first one we've really looked at that comes after that time of kind of gender upheaval let's call it for lack of a better word and so the movie is a battle of the sexes which is
0: inherently yeah that's even dated now it's
1: dated now but that's what it was and it was um and it was so non-specific that you and I I think were really confused because it's like also I mean I was thinking it's pre um Ruth Bader Ginsburg I mean honestly and you know so it just what what really stuck with me I'm sorry, I'm talking a lot again, so I'm going to let you go in a moment but what really stuck with me that, that our mom had said was that even asking the question of is, you know, are women treated equally? What does it mean? Should they be whole, held to different? You know, even asking that question was kind of a big deal. Um, whereas, you know, I'm like, but what are we talking about specifically? Are we talking about this legal? Like, no, no, no. Just asking that question was a big deal. But for us, it was odd to, I think, to see Spencer Tracy's character's reaction to it and so on.
0: Yeah, it's, well, they they said they're setting this thing up where uh, Spencer Tracy's sort of a, so Tom Ewell is playing the, the husband who cheats on Judy Holliday and Spencer Tracy is sort of playing a character who, we're sort of seeing get more and more towards where Tom Ewell's character is or no to where Judy Holliday's character is it's a little confusing but it's like it's this weird thing that that they're doing with that because like he's getting a little more and more crazy because maybe that's like men like here we are you know men getting more crazy about women in the workforce and asserting their independence and I, I it's that thing where like when we watched it I was very confused I ultimately enjoyed it but not really this is more of a historical text to me like, have a movie than then really entertaining. Like, I wasn't entertained by almost any of the jokes. I only understood what a few of the jokes were, and then I did laugh at a couple things. And I did, I was kind of, like, trying to figure out how these characters were interacting and what it was trying to mean. So it's like a puzzle. And that's kind of when I refer to things as te- historical documents Or one of the reasons, because it's, like, it's so far behind us that I can't really imagine someone watching this and being, like, Yes, I just love the way they interact. Now, uh, again, everything's subjective. But mm-hmm. it's it really is like, this is a piece of like, okay, this was, you know, a uh, 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 progressive for the time, as you say. So... When, you know, Spencer Tracy towards the end of the movie, at the end of the movie, when he's got that gun, but it's actually just licorice. And God, he takes a huge bite of that thing, too. And it's like <laughs> just black licorice or something. It's like, whoa, I don't know. I'm not that into black licorice. I
1: like black licorice. This has come up twice in the last two days. I like black licorice, but apparently people don't like it.
0: It's okay. <laughs>
1: but I don't I know that I'd stick, I'd take off that big a bite of it. But yeah.
0: Yeah. Anyways, um, uh, I'm trying to look up. A, like, so gentlemen Preferred Blondes is like four years later. Right. 1953 and like I was trying to even thinking so he he takes a big bite of that gun and it's like he's like scaring them with the weapon and it's like that's really like I mean that's trauma like we understand trauma right. now a lot better than we did I think in 1949 I think that's safe to say you know and
1: but he also he uses it as like a legal point and it's like but that's <laughs> like,
0: yeah so no. yeah I so it's is it is So here's where I'm complete.
1: By the way, I'm completely wrong. Marilyn Monroe's husband was totally in World War II. i I'm just bad with dates. Excuse me. I apologize. I
0: thought so. Anyways uh because she was famous for years kind of as like a, a model almost more than as an yeah t- i
1: forgot how long it took her to really get started it, because you think of her as just being so successful that you forget that there were years years where she, she wasn't wasn't anyway i apologize
0: <laughs> All good uh so no but so uh so like four years later we have gentlemen for blondes and you and i when we talked about that we talked about how it's actually kind of more progressive because they want rich husbands and they go for it and they get it now yeah. it isn't probing and like this is maybe one of those things where it's like by omission, is it less progressive because they aren't even questioning if they want jobs at the same time the whole point at least for you and me and the way that we view this is that you should it's all about what the person wants as long as it's you know i, I suppose the limit is like it can't be harming other people it can't be destructive to to, to another person like physically or emotionally or mentally like that's where we we draw the line as long as you want something like whatever your fetish is whatever your right your career desire whatever your whatever as long as the
1: people involved can and are, are able to consent and do so
0: yeah like that's and so in general for blonde it's weirdly more progressive maybe because we aren't even asking that question yeah and they are just going for what they want and they're not i mean in uh, in in um, uh, what is it? Uh, uh, how to marry a millionaire? Like the, there's this whole joke about Marilyn Monroe's character being kind of dumb, but she's not. She's she's you know she's got her own kind of intelligence. Maybe she doesn't know right know, some of the complicated you know whatever. But like she's smart about how to get what she wants. So like this movie, I- I'm bringing it back around. Like this movie feels weirdly less progressive because it's asking these questions and the answers almost seem to be go back to being a housewife now, now it's not, that's not completely because the whole point at the end is that they've reached some sort of impasse, even though it seems like Spencer Tracy maybe has won. Like that's where the tone was really confusing and why when mom explains it, it's like, Oh, I kind of get it more, but like without mom's explanation, it's like, they're at an impasse kind of, except kind of Spencer Tracy's one. He cried in a manipulative way to show that men could cry. And it's like unique. Because, you know, a man cried and because a woman's a lawyer and a high-powered lawyer of some kind. uh, She's still taking care of him, but, like, he's not, I mean, he's not completely a louse. He's kind of not a fun person, but not, you know, complete. And so it's like, and he's going to potentially run as a Republican and she's saying about running as a Democrat, which I think means, I mean, I think that's taboo now at this point, which honestly is fine, but, like, that's interesting to see that with our current political era. And so, like, all of this has left me in this weird place where it's like, it, it is progressive for asking the questions and for having her character be a high-powered lawyer and specifically some of the arguments she's making. That one scene where it's just her listening to Judy Holiday talk about it, like that's kind of a progressive scene. Like there's all these moments where I kind of get why it would have been progressive at the time. Yet, gentlemen prefer blondes and how to marry a millionaire oddly feel more progressive to me now because it's really more about desire of a character and less about like, weirdly manipulative a weirdly manipulative couple trying to come to some sort of resolution on what a woman's rights are via a case where a woman you know definitely is shooting a gun at someone and that's you know trying to commit harm on someone
1: right okay so I totally agree with you and I don't want to like repeat anything you said I did want to kind of highlight that yeah part of the joy of this movie though is seeing women interact, um, Judy Holliday and Katherine Hepburn mainly, um, which I don't think we've really seen in any of the other rom-coms. But yes, it's confusing because it's not really coming up with answers. It's just asking questions and we're kind of past that now. But it's also confusing to me from the romance angle. And I think that's because it's, it's dated um, because you've got these two lawyers, I mean, this will continue to see endlessly as two lawyers who, en- who are married, who end up in the courtroom against each other. Like that is a thing that we're still doing as, as a, as a, not a mute cute. I don't know what you call it, a gimmick or whatever. Um, you know, so that's, still a thing. yeah, but, but the, the thing they don't have kids, which is kind of cool. Um, I actually enjoyed some of their, some of their banter, but it's the thing that threw me off was she's very passionate about this feeling that women are are not treated equally. And he seems to be putting up with her and that, you know, the talking with our mom, the progressive thing there is that he's married to her. The progressive thing is that, you know, men don't want women like that, but he, he seems to to love her and want to be with her, but he's so condescending and he never, and, and that's where it's confusing because they're lawyers. You know, he's he's got to put up this argument. He's got to put up this front. I don't know if he's just not agreeing with her just as part of this kind of weird lawyer banter thing they're doing, but it, it feels very condescending and very like, isn't it nice that strong women can find men that'll love them and put up with them? <laughs> And it's just like, that rubs me the wrong way. <laughs> like, I don't much care for that archetype. Like, um, you know, the fact, and, and she's at one point she gets very passionate and then she like apologizes to him a bunch. And like, I don't remember him ever apologizing to her in this movie for anything. So, so that all just like, you know, I hate the false equivalency, but it just felt, it, it felt like here we had this strong woman character but still he knows best father knows best. they don't have kids but father knows best
0: she she also says i think more than once am i being too much yeah and it's like i it's like in a modern sense he doesn't
1: really reassure her no (laughs) it's it's like kind of like yeah you are
0: (laughs) it's like it's a mod in a modern like again this is why it's a historical text and not a not something i really was found really entertaining or enjoyable in that sense is that like in a modern movie, I could see that working. I mean, I ask Jill, you know, my girlfriend sometimes, am I being too much? Because yeah. I am sometimes. Right. Like, and so, like, you can do that in a way and it works. But the way they do it in the movie, it doesn't work. Yeah. And so it, it leaves you with this weird taste in your mouth, which is yeah. really what I think is happening for us. Because, like, again, it, like, I almost, I like the idea that they are, they're actually already married and it's a rom com. Like, that's not, I mean, and especially in this era, I think all of them have been unmarried, single people who get married by the end of the rom-com unless i'm misremembering something and so like i like the idea of a domestic rom-com i like the the banter that they have like i want to see a modern version of this and maybe there is somewhere that's you know that works more as a rom-com for me because like yeah there's like again the banter that the, the, she's a lawyer you know the, the women you know she's she's taking on a woman's case you know like there's there's all these things that are kind of interesting and could really work but because the tone is so often and, and all i've already said like it I still just end up in this weird, mushy place. So. Well,
1: it feels like... So So the point of this movie is we're asking a question, but it doesn't feel like he's asking the question no. or thinking about it. And I don't know if I'm misunderstanding it because I don't understand the typical 1949... He's not young, older man. No. I, I don't know if that... If there's something... You know, because you miss nuances. I mean, we've talked about... Uh, I think Karina Longworth talks about it really well with Hattie McDaniel and that situation where she, she felt like she was playing these black maid characters very progressively, but then the next generation comes along and they're like, you're just playing a servant because they don't really see the nuance because they didn't right. go through it. And that's just, that's just how the world works. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I, in this case, I don't know if I'm missing any of the nuance of Spencer Tracy's um, character and and what he's reacting to so you know it it's it's hard to say i know a lot of people love this movie it's hard for me to say what i really think about it and whether i'd recommend it or anything like that
0: yeah well i'm even looking at the uh the wikipedia and it's like it's uh it's it was nominated for that you know the afi stuff which is just an interesting metric like anything to look at and it's number 22 on the afis 100 years 100 laughs and it's like uh, I don't remember what specifically that li- list is. Maybe it's just for comedies. And I'm like, okay, again, I don't really understand comedies, but it was, you know, it, it is a movie that's yeah, it it, it was it was well reviewed at the time. It's still got a good Rotten Tomatoes score. Not that there's a ton of reviews for old movies like Well, these. I don't
1: think you and I think it's bad. No, I mean, it's we're just, just kind like, of confused by I mean it's not Neptune's daughter, or Monster of Gogo, or anything no. like that. I think we're just kind of confused by it. here if you're on Wikipedia, you see the uh you see the the um the poster
0: yeah they're ripping apart a part of a pair of jeans pair and what does pants. it say above uh it's the hilarious answer to who wears the pants uh, I right, mean, so it's, just, like, it's just that kind of
1: it's yeah, just it's, that kind of thing and yeah i mean yeah i mean and we're like we're not like as a society oh there are things in this movie that are still happening like They both are lawyers who work long hours, but she seems to take care of all the housework like I still see that all the time in my um, in my own life sounds bad, but I mean, (laughs) in people I know,
0: (laughs) because
1: I'm in a more progressive relationship. But, you know, there, there are lots of women now who work full time jobs and are and still end up taking care of everything at home. Yeah. You know, so. Stuff like that still goes on. But, it, but that's the thing with this movie. It That wasn't even like... So, so that was a blink and you'll miss it. You won't even notice that that's...
0: Yeah, well, and a part of even... <laughs> I think I noticed that part. But a part of it is that as I've been growing up, and I don't know if it's true for you too, but like for us specifically, and I'm 31 and you're 37 now? No, 38. Yes. 38. So we're in our 30s now. That's so weird to say out loud. Uh, and... Like our father was the at-home parent and our mom was the one who worked. Now that is not unheard of in any era past, probably World War II, but it is certainly a lot rarer in the fifties and sixties and seventies and eighties. And like, I don't have, I have hardly any friends. Like I can't name anybody where it's like their dad was the one who was at home taking care of it. Like now I've seen in the 2010s with social media, more of that happening. But like, because of that perspective, I notice sometimes when that happens. And so I always, I do occasionally get confused because they're talking about the chores and the housework and it's like, oh, well, that's just what dad did. And I do a lot of the, I, I work, you know, I'm unfortunately my girlfriend doesn't have a job at the moment, but like, I still do a lot of the chores. It's not like, it's not like I'm excluded from that for that reason. And so like watching this movie, it's like, again, it's that question where it's like, why why isn't he doing any of that? So he just comes off as ungrateful because, like, yeah. she's putting in all that effort and that work. And it, so it's like and she has a, a, the job, basically the same job. This Anyways. almost feels
1: like when we watch uh, Sound of Metal, where it's like. It, it, we just come at it from such an odd place that we almost can't evaluate it. Yeah. And, and, and I can't I found it interesting. I, I I enjoyed it, but I didn't love it, you know. I, and, I would definitely watch another Spencer Tracy, Catherine Hepburn film out of oh, curiosity, totally. but... Well,
0: that's the thing, the acting, one of the things that really works in this movie is the acting's pretty great. I even like Tommy Wool's acting. I don't really mind his acting in... Yeah, the rich there I was a little actor, bit, but... I
1: mean, talk, other. you know, we've been bringing up the problematic issues. The, the, the way that you know, it's the poor people kind of being trashy is not a great look for the movie. Judy Holliday and and Tom Ewell and, and his um his mistress are all clearly poor. And so yeah. it's kind of there's some you no, know, it's it's <laughs> it's yeah. a little it's a little problematic. But I mean it it's an interesting movie. Um, it'll make you think about gender roles and things. It's just it's an odd one for us. So
0: yeah and
1: i'm not i you know i don't know i I don't know what how i'd recommend it as a rom-com either i i kind of want to watch other tracy but then again like you don't want to not recommend something because it's date you know at least it is addressing gender differences which isn't really something but then like the lady eve was just subversive because it just did what it did without asking questions kind of a thing so it's i don't know i don't know
0: yeah i i totally i yeah at the end of it i'm also kind of like i would recommend this basically to anyone who was curious about rom-coms from this era i do kind of get why it's important at least at a cursory glance so like it's not the same as neptune's daughter where like i have to like specifically go out of my way to sort of find the group for it this is right if you're watching rom coms and you want to see rom coms from this era, watch Adam's Rib. It fits in there, and maybe they'll like it in a way that I we don't, or understand it in a way that we don't, and really enjoy it. So it's not, it's not bad. It's just we had. It was an int- We both had kind of a confusing take on this. Yeah. So. All
1: right. I don't really have anything else to say.
0: That's it for me too. All right. So we are on to our last movie, Mister Holland's Opus.
1: Yes. Um, And you and I haven't talked about it because you just watched it yesterday, so.
0: Yeah, I watched it last night. Um, uh, I think I told you my, well, okay. So this was a request of spoilers for Mr. Holland's opus and for any movie we might talk about. Um, We're definitely going to go talk about the whole thing. Uh, This was a request from a friend of mine, somebody I don't really see anymore, but I used to hang out with, play disc golf with. And I'm sure if I saw again, I'd have, you know, we'd be friends and friendly and all that. Um, and he's watching our videos, which is really neat. Um, and so... You
1: just say thank you instead of saying, like, we're not really friends, but
0: No, I was saying we're friends. I just, I mean, I don't see him anymore because he lives, well, <laughs> I I I'm weird you. and awkward. I don't know how to do this. You think you're the only weird. I'm weird and awkward, too. Anyway, <laughs> um, so he wanted... I, I can't remember if he said this was his favorite or one of his favorites or something, but he just wanted to hear our take on it. And so here it is, and I am fully truthful, no matter what, because that's who I am. And it's... It's interesting. Uh, so, well, well, are you going to... should gonna... synopsis, or should I synopsis?
1: Yeah, you get to synopsis. This is kind of your project. So. Okay,
0: so Mr. Holland's opus stars Richard Dreyfuss as Mr. Holland. I forget his first name. And he is a music aficionado, and he wants to, I guess, be a, work at an orchestra and conduct an orchestra. But be a he,
1: composer, specifically. Be a composer.
0: Sorry, there we go. Composer. And... Uh, but he has like a teaching credential to fall back on and, you know, things he was in a band and that didn't quite work out. So now we're joining him as he starts his first day at school as the music teacher. And basically the movie is it's kind of an epic where we follow him from day one of his uh, tenure as a teacher to the last day of his tenure as a teacher. And it's 30 years. And he, you know, there's there's, you know, he, he has a kid and he doesn't. Sorry, my cat's
1: being crazy. It's not your synopsis is fine.
0: Thank you. My cat is sleeping. It's nice. Uh, So, you know, he's, he's got, he has a kid partway through and that his kid ends up being not, not entirely deaf. I guess he's uh, really hard of hearing. Um, He, you know, he, he ends up liking his job. He never really makes it as a composer. He helps, uh, you know, some young minds out and really get them out into the world. And, And it's kind of about that journey and that process. And that's basically the plot of it. And, I have to say, I enjoyed this and I enjoy. and I, my, my initial sort of critique on it is that it is not ultimately, it's not like what I would call a super interesting movie or even a movie with much conflict. Um, certainly some inner turmoil, but not always conflict. Sometimes the conflict feels a little pushed on, but in that way, it actually makes me think of a Marvel movie. This is a sentimental dramatic version of a Marvel movie where like it hits all the beats, it's a solid story. It's not really shooting for the stars. It's more shooting for like, you know, a a three-pointer as opposed to like a half court shot. And it's it's why did I do a sports reference? Uh, and um it's it's kind of hits that, you know, it's it's well well put together, you know, there's some news. Well
1: speaking of sports references, you know what movie this makes me think of? What? Rocky. It's just, uh, just it's just like a sentimental
0: yeah, it's a sentimental movie. And a part of what makes those movies work, weirdly, with sentimental movies, like I like if you were to make this movie more interesting and I think more maybe long lasting in a sense of like, have a, have a more interested critique, critic audience, or even just general audience, you'd have to kind of change the movie to be something else. Like sentimental movies tend not to have a lot of conflict. They tend not to be super, you know, they're they're supposed to give you the warm fuzzies and to, to make you feel. And, and and I think that's why I like sentimental movies sometimes is because you and I get really heavy and all this, like, deeper introspective dramas or out there sci-fi or really you know fun rom-coms or whatever rom-coms have more emotions but like and so I don't always get a lot of emotion from the movies I'm watching but like this like, I got you know this movie got me so even yeah. though it's not super interesting like I I can't say that I've, I mean I've seen this story done before and I've seen it done better or worse but like it got me and I, I liked it and Richard Dreyfus is really good in this he apparently won an, or he got nominated for an Oscar or whatever and I thought he was just really good in it and so like, it's, it's, it's got these things, but I, I, at the end of the day, it is kind of like, well, it's a sentimental drama. It kind of checks all the boxes. It doesn't shoot for anything too high, but I enjoyed it and it had too much music.
1: Well, it's not just sentimental, it's feel good. Feel good. Um, right. And it, I was kind of curious what you'd think of it because in a way it's a more Theo movie than a Sarah because it's very straightforward.
0: Like yeah. as
1: I was watching it, I was thinking of what would make it something I really liked. And yeah. I do like it, but something I really liked would be kind of maybe a more unconventional narrative, kind of like you know doing doing something a little weird with it I don't know I mean but that's i I struggle with biopics like. Yeah. And this isn't a biopic, but it's like a biopic. It approaches Um, being one. (laughs) Yeah, because I just find biopics very kind of like A to B to C to D to E. And unless it's like, you know, they did the Steve Jobs one where it was like three different moments from his life. I thought that was a little more interesting to me than,
0: Yeah, You, you know. See, weirdly, so here's the thing. You like standard storytelling, like, with something like a, a Marvel movie, or not even just a Marvel movie, but that kind of action movie, or like a rom-com, or really anything, you don't necessarily, you don't really, you, you, you like the off path, off the beaten path characters and story types. And that includes like, s- some genres like rom-coms have such strict A to B to C like stories that, that like you want there to be no, there'd be a gap in between A and B, like in the Steve Jobs almost, where they like you jump time like right. that. So like it's.
1: This I hate it when we jump time in rom coms, but I know what you mean.
0: <laughs> but like, but so like in this, it's kind of yeah, it it is a pretty standard. I like a lot of standard, straightforward stories because right.
1: I would say straightforward a little more than standard, but yeah. Pretty
0: straightforward, straightforward stories because like here's here's what we're all working from this point roughly. Like of course not every story fits into the classic structure, but like here's the classic story structure: it's a straight line, and then like. How does it deviate, deviate from that line? Maybe it bends over here and maybe it does something over here. And like some of the times you're working in like millimeters or whatever is less like a decameter, I don't know, whatever is less than a millimeter. Um, and it's like, I kind of am interested in what those minute changes are to make it interesting, which is why I like all these straightforward stories, including this one, because it's the story I've seen, but like what minute changes are they doing to make it interesting or really change? Well,
1: yeah. I mean, and that's how I feel about rom coms. sometimes is like, you see the same thing over and over, but they do something a little different. I'm getting Um, there
0: with rom-coms too. And I think it just took watching enough of them for me to get there.
1: I mean, it does. I mean, it's, it's like anything when you first try it, you don't have anything to compare it against. It's you don't don't really even know what you're looking at, you know, you may have an idea if you like it or not. Yeah. But, um, So I really like the messages of this film. I really like, I mean, the feel good part of this is that sometimes life doesn't go like you plan um, and you still end up really enjoying it. And also you may not notice the differences you're making in, in life. I mean, that whole ending bit is about how, you know, he ends up being forced to retire because the arts get cut. Yeah. And he feels like he's made no difference because, you know they're they're the fact that they're getting rid of him means that he doesn't matter right. but then they at the end you know he's leaving the school for the last time and they've gathered to have a huge celebration of him and he finds out that really you know he changed all these lives and that's what really matters not that you know he was forced into retirement and like i have to say like I find the dialogue in this film at times painful. Some of the comedy doesn't work for me. I really don't care for the Rorina bit. And the, the thing with the son, it's a little on the nose, but it also is really true to what happened to a lot of, he's a part of deaf culture, even if he has 10% of his hearing left. It, that is what happened to and, and they were kind of honest in a way about how fathers in that at that time could be you know, and, um, uh, but it was still depicted kind of black and white. And then the end comes and I'm crying. I mean, what can I say? I like, I'm even getting a little choked up just because I think as people, we all want, not we all, that's, that's not true, but a lot of us want to, like, make a difference and be out there and, like, you know, be important and and in being important we're going to do this thing and see this change and so on and the truth is both of us live smaller lives yeah and we're kind of like well i didn't you know i didn't become that person i thought i was going to be and i clearly don't matter and and that's not true like you you affect all the people's lives who you interact with in ways that you'll never know i worked in retail for a decade maybe let's say and you know it it could feel like what was the point of that? But the truth is, I don't know how I affected some of those people, you know, like people would come in for help, you know, who knows how I changed anyone's day kind of a thing. No one's going to gather in an auditorium <laughs> for me and tell me, but it's yeah. nice to think that it's nice to think that, that you have importance in, in people's lives, regardless of, of, yeah. you know, and I love that message. I just, um, you know, for me, it's it's I wish it were done with a little more subtlety. I wish every fight with his family wasn't you care more about the kids at the school than you do about your own. Yeah, uh, that's
0: the manufactured conflict right there.
1: Yeah, like they could have those exact same arguments, but just with a little more nuance and subtlety. Yeah, um, I wish I wish I'd seen him try to understand his son, but be kind of bullheaded about it, and I really wish that Rowena stuff had been shorter. I never enjoy that section. I've seen this movie more than once. I've seen it two or maybe three times. Um,
0: Which is surprising to me. This really doesn't strike me as a Sarah movie. I
1: think it's when it came out. I think it was like playing on airplanes when I was flying, <laughs> you know, on long flights or something. I just ended up there's some movie like apollo 13 is is really good really good movie but like i forgot how much i'd seen it until we rewatched because like i hadn't watched it in like 15 years and then we rewatched it the other day and i'm like i know all these like it's weird how <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> this came out in like 95 which is right around when i really started getting into movies to be honest so mm. so yeah so it's it's
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> luna has something to say but what did you think of the movie yeah and i i think i think richard Dreyfus, i think the performance some of the performances really make it he really makes yeah. it it's um interesting to see terrence howard when right. he was younger and his
0: that was interesting. I mean,
1: you know and i know people who are teachers i have friends who are teachers and it's interesting because i have friends in particular where She really just does it as a job, honestly. And I think she's probably a a good teacher, but she doesn't have a lot of passion for it. But her husband is like, he's probably a Mr. Holland to all the, all like he's really involved and really, it's really his passion. And I mean, it sounds kind of mawkish and sentimental and, and, you know, I'm kind of a cold bitch and I like, you know, I like (laughs) things that are a little less warm toned in my movies, but it's, it is. True, you know, I can think of teachers that made a difference in my life, and well, that's kind of one of the
0: things about this movie that's interesting. Is you know, we watched um Mr. Ro- that documentary about Mr. Rogers, and this that's about really young kids. But later in that in that documentary, he runs into one of his like somebody at a, a graduation, and they're like, you know, it was really important. She was, she says something like, "I was really sick when I was younger, and was you know, you were on, and I watched you a lot, and you were really important to me." And he's, you know, and he's it's a really sweet things, and like, it's not like that doesn't happen when you're older. I mean, a lot of, you know, you listen to, you know, you you listen to things on YouTube, interviews or stuff, and it's like how important this one person was in in my 20s or my 30s or my 40s to my development. And so it's like, but there's something about, you know, being young and getting older and still really appreciating what that person did for you.
1: So, mm-hmm. You know,
0: the fact that, I mean, it's, this. It's, I think it's specifically important that he's a teacher. Yeah. You know? And anybody who's helping to shape young minds, as they say, like that, I think, even though again, it's not unique, exactly, it is kind of important to a story like this. And I think it's a part of what gets you is because we all, you know, a lot of people remember the really important teachers when they were young, from when they were younger, because they really helped you develop at an era where you were developing a lot. You know, know, our brains are developing so much as when we're kids, basically, until our I don't know, 20s or maybe 30s, I don't know. But like that you, I feel like they tend to, even though somebody in your 30s might help you as much as a teacher did when you were a teenager, you probably remember your, te- your teacher more fondly because of how much you grew at that time almost. And I think there's an aspect to that in this, which is interesting. And like, that is yeah. a, a part of the sentimental feels that you get.
1: It's interesting. I hated high school. And there were some teachers that like, who I still think about. But in general, I don't have a lot of nostalgia for high school. I have trouble watching um, some of the romances and stuff that are high school because I just I just I just hated it. I just hated everything about it. But I think it's so that doesn't get me so much as the um, the lack of cynicism. It's kind of. Yeah. Nice to see something that's, you know, not cynical. Um,
0: yeah. and.
1: I'm, you know, it, it's just easy to be cynical and a lot of things are cynical. And I think we're more cynical now than we were, and we'll probably go through another. There are, I think, decades where we're less cynical culturally than others. And we're not in one of those decades. Um, well, so we- and I think the nineties might've been more that way. I don't know. I'd have to look at it. So that's nice. And I also wanted to just touch on, you know, there's just some seeing time pass and just, you know, thinking about some of his teaching methods feel a little dated, but they would have been like he, and that yeah. made, sorry, that made me think of the documentary we watched, not about Mr. Rogers, but the one about the wrestling coach who, right. you know, he was a real hard ass. And, you know, I don't think that kind of teaching is as acceptable, as accepted as it used to be. Um, right. But, but also to see like, what it would have been like to be a teacher around the Vietnam war, where you really were, the, the the kids that you had just taught were just dying right after you you know and it was interesting it, it there was no real racial I mean it was uh Terrence Howard shows up and also Damon Whitaker who's for us I was gonna say, and looks was gonna exactly say Whitaker, like Whitaker showed up but. and I think at one point there was someone who was who looked Asian and and this is like some small town in Oregon which really would have probably been seriously white because that's how Oregon works but there was no kind of discussion, but I did kind of think it was interesting that they made Terrence Howard's character the one that went away to Vietnam and died because there was a disproportionate number of, of black men who went over to Vietnam and probably as and as a result died. We yeah. just we watched The Five Bloods recently, so that was kind of on my mind. But it, you know, it's it's not a movie that's here to critique any of that stuff. It's no. really just about. It's about, it's about a warm feeling.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, normally something like that would bother me more because it's, there, it, it would, so it bothered me a little for a specific reason, but it, normally in general, that would bother me more because, so I have a number of things to say in relation to what you've said. So we, now, now- oh, I'll stop is talking
1: in, for a little, let you go.
0: In broad culture, we talk more about the institutions and about the systems of oppression, prejudice, racism, whatever,
1: mm-hmm. than we
0: used to now- it's probably because I don't know. It's more in the popular culture, even if, you know, it's probably been around for longer than that because minorities are more aware of it. Anyways, so I think come that plus our current political state has left a lot of people, no matter where you're from, feeling cynical about life, the universe, and everything. And I mean, we're in the it's we're still in the pandemic. We're almost a year into when you know the lockdown order came down for you and me for a pandemic. So like we're you know th- there's a lot of cynicism right now, and a movie like mr holland's open is kind of warm fuzzies and so again the fact that there's less conflict like there's still conflict but it's much more situational so it doesn't work and it feels more manufactured usually it's, it's i feel like it's more difficult to make a sentimental movie work because the conflict you have to be so much more careful with how you do the conflict anyways but so one of the things with um terence howard's characters, is he's he's kind of a guy he's not very smart well, but he's not an idiot he just he's not really a school guy he He's more, he could have had,
1: I mean, now it almost feels like he has ADHD or something that they definitely were yeah. looking at at the time.
0: Yeah. And like he, you know, who knows? He probably is the kind of person who maybe could have gone and had a successful career in something. But maybe he wasn't destined to be an engineer or a mathematician or something. But he's his character dies in the Vietnam War. And I liked how that probably is true to life. It's really sad. And you have to have a sad moment like that to appreciate how poignant Mr. Holland's life was. And so normally in a more modern, like in a movie now, I'd be like, you wonder if they'd at least make a comment on the race or really touch on it. But they don't really do that, except that Mr. Holland is showing another student, Stadler, like that kid had to work really hard to get everywhere. You don't have to work really hard to get everywhere. Kind of as a point of like, you have it easy in comparison to some other people. You should really, he's basically saying, check your privilege. (laughs) not that we would have used those terms back then
1: it was you're right that is kind of the 70s version of it
0: yeah right and i kind of appreciate what he's doing there's really no the one problem is it's kind of a stereotype a black man has died so that a white person can learn something it is kind of authentic to real life though i don't know i'm kind of left in this weird spot in the middle where i'm like i think this fits into a problematic problematic trope even if in a vacuum even if not in a vacuum, even if I don't think this is like the worst case of it.
1: But it also was, but again, it's also illustrating what really happened is that black people struggled more and then ended up dying more because of just the way institutions are set up. So it's not untrue. Not untrue. (laughs) Would would it have been better if he'd been showing like the Damon Whitaker character?
0: Maybe, I don't know. Then it
1: would have felt like he was telling a, a black student to check his privilege at another right. black student. So it's, it's like,
0: that's, that's where it's like, I don't really know that there's a solution. Yeah. Maybe this is the best way it could have been done, but I don't know. Anyways, and so um, I had one more point and I've lost it. it. It left my brain.
1: I have a question for you, if you want. I um, haven't watched any of these in ages, but I know you like, um, I've never watched Rudy. I know you, didn't you like Remember the Titans? or I like Remember the Titans. Isn't this kind of in that kind of a vein?
0: Rudy, Remember the Titans. I tend to think of October Sky. October Sky is up there as like one of my favorite movies. I'm
1: smiling because I recently looked up October Sky because of something in my novel and it's one of your favorite movies and I've never watched it. Um, Oh, that's right. I've never watched October Sky and I've never watched Rudy. I have watched Remember the Titans, but it's been a while. I'm not sure you'd really be an October
0: Sky person, but I tend to think about, October Sky isn't sentimental the way that a lot of these movies are, but I tend to think of it as being kind of the best version of a sentimental movie. Although remember the Titans actually might be the best version of a sentimental movie because it has a lot in it Mm -hmm. and it tackles race in a way. I haven't seen it in a while that while probably isn't quite up to progressive modern standards, there is something there. Like I would put Mr. Holland's opus maybe below like remember the Titans and maybe like equal with Rudy Like as far as like how it feels, Rudy's shorter. So I think it wins out because Mr. Allens opens over the Rowena stuff is what I wanted to talk about has like just too much in it. It's a bit too long. Mm -hmm. And I I, I like it when my epics and my biopics are longer because I feel the weight of them more. But in this case, the Rowena stuff is really interesting. And I kind of like the implication, like every teacher has a couple of students they taught where they were like, Oh, this person is going to go on to be famous. Probably has more than that. But, but and they know that some percentage of those students will go on to become famous because somebody taught Tom Cruise, like somebody was Tom Cruise's teacher, right? right. And so like, did they think Tom Cruise was going to go on to be a successful right. actor? So I, I kind of appreciate that idea of Rowena. I just didn't get it. I wasn't really there for the like teacher-student relationship thing. I, I don't, you know, I'm not against showing these things in movies. It just didn't really feel right to me. Like yeah. anything, I'm not here to limit art or say that we should censor art.
1: It felt out, out of place. Also, didn't... just it was so long. Like we yeah. watched her sing all these songs, and I'm like, I don't want. To. Also, I don't like watching singing. But that's yes, you don't that's like that's watching singing.
0: <laughs> and my my biggest complaint with that is like it would belong there like way more if they actually put some sort of conclusion on it. Like yeah. instead, we don't get anything with her after that. We don't know if she succeeded, right. if she failed. True, that part true. just disappears, and it's like if they actually wrapped it up, like maybe.
1: If she'd she, shown up at that thing at the end, it just maybe she, she wasn't there. I mean, I love yeah. that they had that clarinet player. Like, I, yeah. I actually really like that. Yeah. That whole bit where it's like, just play because you want to play like.
0: Yeah. And like, I like that that clarinet player went on to not be a musician. She went to be on to be, you know, a politician. But apparently, you know, I mean, she can still play the clarinet. So she probably kept up with it. to some. But different. it was also
1: about him making her feel important. And like, she mattered regardless of what. Yes. how her her playing was you know and 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 that was what that was about and that's something we talk about with sports movies and i think yeah. part of the reason you like rudy is you know so many sports movies are about like you know being the best of the best uh, and it's like you know and, and care and and uh, uh often a character's journey is is that they, they prove that they are the best and that's why they should get to keep playing. And there aren't very many that are like, maybe you should just play a sport because you like playing it, not because you're brilliant at it.
0: One of the things in in American cinema that I think we have too much of and that may or may not be a cont- contribution to some of the problems we have societally, I'm not going to go that <laughs> far, but is that we overemphasize the uh, the the success of the individual, specifically-
1: Exceptionalism. kind exceptionalism,
0: of exceptionalism. It. And it's like, we're putting that in the wrong place. Our first responders, our, our, our grocery store workers, like we're, I think right now there's, I've always felt this way, but right now there's a lot more of an, a focus on that because they have to stay working in the middle of the pandemic and they're the grocery yeah. worker. And that's usually deemed as lesser work. Right. It, but it doesn't require you to go to a, a technical school. It doesn't require you to go to a college, at least for, right. like, maybe management, whatever. But like you you don't have the career path but that doesn't involve, institutions of education beyond high school. And in fact, not even high school necessarily. But I always think that's really dumb. Like being exceptional does not mean that you are number one at what you do. Being exceptional is a lot larger term. And Mr. Holland's Open is kind of about that. And Rudy, you're right, Right. is really about that. Because Rudy is about- I've
1: never seen Rudy. (laughs) I need to see it, but you've told me about it. That's why I know this. it's,
0: It's not really a Sarah movie, but you probably should see it. I like it. It really is about somebody who's like, just trying to succeed at a much smaller like level. Like our success is measured in how we, like some people are not gonna be able to do things other people can do because like they have a physical disability or a mental disability or just because we don't really fully understand how brains work and some people aren't as good at math as others and whatever. So it's like Rudy just wants to make the team. He doesn't Mm -hmm. want, he's not like gonna be number one. He just wants to make the team. And so I kind of uh, like and the whole, and in Mr. Holland's opus, it's like he wanted to be a composer and he finds meaning in his life outside of that, but it doesn't necessarily feel worthwhile. And I like the point being that like, no, our teachers are important and specifically teachers too. And this is from 1995 and it's of an era where like, I remember in the, when I was a kid and I would have been in kindergarten in 95, but, um, or first grade or whatever, uh, that like in that era, maybe, I don't know where it starts or where it ends, but like from there until the 2000s, uh, I graduated in 07 from high school. Like that whole time, there was lots of discussion about money getting cut from schools. I, yeah. ma- I imagine it's still a problem. And yeah. like the music programs and like anything that isn't math or English or science uh, basically being cut, right. you know, like drama. Oh, no, and- that
1: was talked about my, uh, you know, and I'm seven years older than you. So I, it was happening seven years earlier for me the whole time, too.
0: So it's like this, and the whole, I think what we're discovering now, and, and I mean, Mr. Holland's point is like, if you take away these programs and you only leave the math and the science and, and the whatever, right. eventually they're going to have nothing left to write about because culture and art is so much of what like our leisure time is. Like it's Well, really that's why important... some
1: people talk about STEAM over STEM because STEM is like what? Science, technology, engineering, and math or something like that. And I think yeah. the A that they add is art. Like yeah and art is important
0: and like my whole life is about like my appreciation of culture and art like we watch movies constantly we, I read very regularly I try to learn about art like that's my life and I'm somebody whose job is basically like to do excel spreadsheets you know and, <laughs> and and manage things like manage projects and it's like yeah I'm maybe good at one thing to make money but the other thing is what fulfills me and it's yeah I think that's really that's an interesting time capsule piece of this movie because that really was important for decades and probably still is and how like the money's being cut and like yeah so i don't know i may have run out of things to talk about
1: oh i think the last thing i wanted to say is um because we were talking about all these movies interesting so i watched this on amazon and it likes to give really random suggestions for (laughs) what to watch next but in this case it was dead Poets society have you seen dead Poets society
0: Never like maybe and I don't think I've ever seen it in like one. It's interesting. Sitting, but... I feel like
1: Dead's Poet Society is the cynical version of Mr. Holland's opus. And mm. not in the in that the the ending is that a, a teacher doesn't make an important difference in your life, but um just the way the teacher is ultimately the way things come down is is much darker. Yeah. Um, there's a lot more darker stuff, and it's interesting to me as a culture. Again, I have problems with Mr. Holland's opus, mostly with the dialogue and and just some of the on the nosiness of it. But it's interesting that culturally we really do value these more cynical outlooks, because at the same time as Dead Poets Society has this darker view, it's not like it's addressing race. It's about rich kids like it's just because it's kind of cynical and darker doesn't mean that it's really making that much bigger a statement so it's it just kind of because i think dead poet society is more well regarded yeah um and you know whether or not I, I can't say but it was it was interesting to rewatch. um
0: yeah i forgot um i had one other point to make which is mm-hmm. i i didn't talk at all about the the cinematic nature of the movie and it's well shot it's pretty to look at but it's not like exceptional to me really with how it's shot it it's it's cut to, it's like, it's kind of, I mean, whenever, maybe when I talk about it being a standard movie, I almost think about the filmmaking. Cause like it's, I don't really notice anything unique about how it's being shot. It's kind of just, it's, it's well done. You get all the angles, right? You do some neat little edits here and there. The way we montage through time is kind of fun. If a little, I don't know that perfectly fits but it's pretty neat. And the music is done by someone named Michael Kamen who it looks like has done a number of had done a number of important scores. And weirdly, I liked a number of the a lot of the music in the movie, and yet at the same time, I was like, I get it that this is a movie about music, but can we play a little less music? Like, I meant the scores. I mean the score specifically. Like, I like halfway yeah. through, it, I was like, Jesus, guys, I I'll, I'll feel things. You don't need to push this hard. With the music. Yeah. <laughs> but I also have like the dialogue is a little has a few moments where it's not that interesting. Yeah. The 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 on the nose nature of like some of this moments are a bit much. But yeah. yeah. Uh, it's ultimately an enjoyable movie. I, it's it's kind of a movie I can't really imagine coming back to. I'm more likely to watch like I don't know, probably remember the Titans or something more like than this. But at the same time, like you know, uh, it's a pretty solid movie. So if you're if you're into sentimental movies, especially like I would totally if you're needing a feel good
1: with. movie, if you're yeah. feeling like your life has no relevance and you just want to watch something that kind of reminds you why our lives have relevance, it's not a bad. Pick. I'm not looking for that that often, to be honest.
0: (laughs) No, this is really not like this is not you're in my wheelhouse, but occasionally this is something we. I
1: I cried at the end, man. I was like, "Mm." (laughs) you
0: know, I I got teary and was like, oh, I've got all the feels in my chest right now. (laughs) Okay, so let's do our uh, our wrap up. up. So I haven't actually watched anything new since the last time we did a wrap up because I've been so busy. I only watched the movies I needed to watch for the podcast. (laughs) Um, right. And
1: we haven't talked for two weeks and yet you still, you're still.
0: Yeah. Yeah. What do you mean? Two weeks? I'm still busy.
1: You, well, no, you still, because you, you potentially have two weeks of movies to talk oh, about. Oh, potentially have two weeks. Yeah. But both was... those weeks you haven't really had anything.
0: No, I've, I've watched a couple movies and, and, uh, oh, should I, I'll go first, I guess.
1: Um. Yeah, go for it.
0: I watched Bringing Up Baby, which I did right towards the beginning of when we started all this rom-com stuff. Um, because I just had never seen it from beginning to end. And it's not a Theo movie, but I enjoyed it. It has some really good lines in it. Uh, not sure. I Catherine Hepburn doesn't work as well for me as a romantic lead. She works better as a dramatic actress for me. I don't know why. But I still like bringing a baby. Cary Grant is great. This is part
1: of your understanding rom-coms as you get.
0: Yeah, it's like extra credit that I did for it. It also <laughs> has the scene where um, Carrie Grant goes... Uh, I just went gay all of a sudden, which uh, is was in a number of documentaries I watched recently about um, the LGBTQIA experience. So that was that was fun. I watched Yentl, which, for the life of me, I don't fully understand why, but I loved. Um,
1: I don't know anything about it. I've never watched it, so I have nothing to say.
0: I I, I, I want to basically it's a, it's a, it's a musical about a, a woman. I guess this is that like early 1900s, isn't that? I think that's when it takes place. Who? maybe it's late 1800s, anyways, um, who is is Jewish, um, but doesn't really, I mean, she wants to get married and have babies, and she's a good, um, um, uh, 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 like, she wants to follow the the text, the religious text, the, the Torah, and, but she's also really interested in religion. Her father was a rabbi, and they used to talk about it, and that's like a no-no, and so it's a musical all about her, like, she, like, is pretending to be a man, so she can go to a, I um, forget the name of it, what it's called. Um, but an institution of learning, which is all about religion. And so it's like, it's, and so she's cross-dressing and it's a musical and, and Mandy Patinkin. Is this in it. one of
1: those ones where she reveals being a woman by showing her breasts though, because that yes, was, this, they talked about that in disclosure. What was the I name think, of
0: that? I think it's disclosure.
1: Like, why was that always the scene? Like, why yeah. Is-
0: <laughs> yeah. I don't know. But well, I mean, I don't know anyways, but like if, if, if this is the movie you want, like if you want a movie about like religious belief and it's a musical and there's cross-dressing and something about fluid, like love and loving multiple people, multiple genders and whatever and all that, like this is your only movie. There is no other movie. This is what you have. (laughs) Like there might be like one other movie out there that comes close to this or something, but this is it. This is what you get. And so I don't know. I just, I really like gentle, and I have no good reason why other than kind of that. Um, I mean, I mean, it's also directed by a woman um, who, I guess, was famously snubbed at the Oscars. So, like, I don't know. It's it's got stuff. gentle's interesting. I watched Godzilla versus Mechagodzilla. I enjoyed it. It was one of the fun ones. Um, and as as I keep saying, like there's no character in these movies. It's all just about the silly plot and the silly monsters and like the visuals and just what's happening and the goofiness. And this one was one of the enjoyable ones. It has King Caesar in it. is, a, is the monster for this one. And King Caesar is like he's that. I, I I this is across multiple Asian countries, and I don't fully understand it. But it's like it's like a lion dog. So like I think. I don't know what the term is. I'm not sure what the correct term is for the Chinese one, but you know, you see the statues of those, those, what's that? Food dog, dog, but I don't know if that's the correct term anymore, but food dog maybe, but you know, you you have the stone statues and they're usually holding a ball in their mouth or something, I think. Anyways, so so like that was King Caesar and that was neat. And the last thing I watched uh, that I'll talk about is Wolf Walkers, which came out towards the end of last year. It's the same guy that, or people that did, um,
1: secret of the cows
0: yes and there's another movie in between but i forget the name of that um it is really neat looking i'm a little surprised this is not one on your list because it's 2d art and it's kind of different looking than some other stuff uh maybe it looks different than secret of cows i don't know
1: okay full Um, confession i haven't watched secret of the cows i haven't watched this i know i need to the style reminds me of cartoon network stuff like um what are those the the action girls and Dexter and
0: Power, Powerpuff Puff.
1: Yeah. Something about their eyes and this is not a valid reason not to watch the thing, but it is just I've always just looked at that and and it's like something about it aesthetically doesn't please me, but I need to watch it anyway because yes, you're right. It it really I think
0: if you once you see it in motion, you'll realize that I see I see what you're saying, but in motion I don't think it really no, this is like up. this is like
1: an instinctual reaction. That I'm confessing to, not like a, like, right. I really like, why didn't I like I haven't watched it, so I can't not like it. I'm just right. saying, I see that and I'm like, ooh, Powerpuff Girls. Like, I don't want to watch. And nothing against the Powerpuff Girls either. It's just powder. not really my thing. I think thing. it's powder
0: Powderpuff Girls, but. Uh, whatever. I, Powercraft, Powerpuff Girls? Oh. Yeah. It's- oh, why do I think Powderpuff Girls? I don't know. Powerpuff <laughs> Girls. I watched it as a kid. I watched some of those as a kid. Bad and Samurai Jack and Dexter and all that. <laughs> Um, but anyways, Wolf Walkers—it's pretty good. It's not new. It's not a story I haven't seen before, but it's done with a framing and a a, a specificity of world placement that I haven't seen before. Um, good voice acting. Got some really neat stuff going on. I don't know. It was really pretty. We we put it on with the surround sound and everything, and it was really that was a really enjoyable watch. I'm kind of get why everybody's talking about it. It's that thing where like every year at the Oscars, like uh, a Disney movie wins best animation because nobody watches animation except kids, I guess, because people yeah. are lame.
1: And, um, and the Academy is made up of a certain group of people.
0: Yeah. And not that these things matter really, but it's more just like when these, these are interesting metrics. And it's like, if I were to go back and like, I do occasionally just out of curiosity, like look at like what else was popular this year for the Academy voters. And it's like, this would be one where it's like, it's probably not going to win, but like, this would be the one where I'm like, Oh, this is really neat. This is better yeah. than the rest of it. So anyways, we'll call first.
1: Well, I don't course- think his other stuff got nominated though, because of how, how, how that tends to work, but I could, be wrong. Uh,
0: yeah, I, I don't. Yeah. I, I can't even keep up with that, but it's just, that's where how this feels watching it. But um, that's kind of it. I've also watched uh, some Stargate. We are nearing the end of season nine. <laughs> um. And uh, I have not watched much else because I've been so busy. And honestly, I've been watching YouTube videos while I work, and I haven't really been in a place to watch TV. So that's it. What have you been watching?
1: So I had like a little bit of a struggling drama watching time. I think I told you about it. I started two dramas, I won't name names, but both of them were just intriguing enough to hook me in. And then about seven and 10 episodes in, I was like, oh, this is not going anywhere I want to go. Like, it's just, it's just going to do this over and over again. And we know I like dramas being slow and dragging things out and so on, but I I still have specific needs and wants and desires. So I dropped them both, which if you look at it, that's like 17 hours worth of stuff. And I was like, but the, one of them was third, they might've both been 30 episodes long. So it's just like, I'm not going to watch another it would have been what 40 hours for both of them like no i i just couldn't Probably. so that was that was kind of frustrating to invest that much time into it and be out um i did um okay i did i watched Descendants of the sun which i sent you a lot of text messages about which was a very big korean drama recently that is the most blatantly nationalistic korean drama i've seen he's a soldier she's a doctor they're in a fake foreign country it was it's interesting how uncritical the internet is about korean drama there are people out there that are like hey there's like no lgbtqia representation it's not like people aren't talking about it but you go to the big review sites and they just they're just cool like they don't it's not even like i need them to say this is bad because of the nationalism or something but it's like they don't even mention it It just kind of weird to me um yeah. almost the bigger problem though is that it it was half medical show half romance so like it spends all this time setting up a romance and then gets kind of weirdly episodically medical and then it just fizzed out for me and I I had trouble getting through the end of it um I get why people like it it's very high drama the lead guy is like super good at his character you kind of fall in love with him totally get why people are into it it has silly drama stuff that I wouldn't mind if it kind of cohered better. Like, um, he, um, spoilers for Descendants of the Sun. He has a cardiac arrest, and then he gets up and walks around after it's over. Like, immediately. And I'm just like, I don't, my medical shows can, the ones I've watched have been very silly. I think there are more serious, realistic ones, too. But it's definitely like the Mitchell and Webb show level of, like, and I'm okay, the again, I'm okay with that for dramatic character purposes. But since the show is slowly falling apart for me anyway, I was like, no, <laughs> like, I was with you earlier when she started someone's heart by beating on his chest. That was fine, whatever. But now you've gone too far. So anyway, but I get why people like it. It's very, it's entertaining. And like I said, the lead guy is really good. Um, but um more importantly i found a really good boy love show um it's korean um a lot of them are Thai, the longer ones um but it's a web series so it's really short and it really just focuses on this introvert and this extrovert and the introvert it's called to my star the it's by actually a, a a director and maybe a group that did another one that's a lot of people like that i've never watched um It's introverted chef and an extroverted movie, like actor, like he's, and um, it's fun to me because you really have to watch the introvert to see him falling in love. I find that a lot of times when you see introverts or when they do like gruff, stern people, it's like, it turns out they're just a teddy bear. And once you get to know them, they warm up. It's like this guy doesn't. And to me, that's always a cheat, a little bit of a cheat, like, Mm. this guy never really warms up you actually just have to catch the subtle things that he's doing to figure out like what's really going on and and Mm. i like that and then the other guy is really charming so you almost miss how much of a dick he is at the beginning because he's so charming you're like but when you look at it you're like no he's kind of being a dick like so and i liked it because it didn't have a lot of like other love interests like there's not like there's no woman that was in love with one of them and not the other like it didn't have any of that stuff it was just like the simple sweet story the cinematography was good there's a few iffy parts I love I love it when they don't spend money on the credits I'm fine with that because I'd rather they spend it elsewhere but it it is funny to me sometimes it's like it's almost like people cut out (laughs) stuck on the screen I would almost have you watch this one if you're in the mood sometime. It's it's nine 20-minute episodes, so it's like a long movie. You can watch it pretty quickly, and there's some good kissing in it, too. So I really liked To My Star. And then the last thing I'm going to talk about is I have started watching The Rebel Princess, which is still airing here on um, the Vicky service because our niece likes it because she likes historical fantasy Chinese dramas. And I tried one and couldn't get into it. This one's way more my style. It's a little funny because I have to find her name because I don't want to be that person. Um, The lead actress who is the rebel princess is played by Zhang Ji, um, who was in Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. And she is in her early 40s, and she's playing a 16-year-old, which is a little distracting and i'm pretty sure everybody has been aged up to match so it's kind of interesting because you're watching something that would have taken place in times where people died quite young but everybody's probably a little older than they would have actually been but i'm really enjoying it a lot and it's um a lot of fun and now i want to watch more chinese historical dramas which i've never wanted to do before
0: yeah, so i might saying, give a is give it zang zi more... zi
1: yeah, yeah. She, yeah, was in,
0: she was in the Cloverfield paradox
1: oh was that oh she was in um she was um she she played <laughs> uh the chinese group person.
0: yeah i mean it's not there's not we a don't lot know anyone
1: keep... else's name in it like it's, in that there's there's movie. no
0: characters in their movie they're kind of all just that but she's also in rush hour Two. yeah she was in crouching tiger hidden dragon hero a lot of other things yeah
1: i'm really enjoying it it's um but i'll have to report on it later it's just very um right she's
0: in Godzilla. it's
1: very dramatic it's way more plot heavy than stuff i normally watch but i am liking it and i'm going to talk about it
0: this is her only credit as a television actor yeah
1: they were saying that it's her first drama and and you know the problem i don't mind Aging people down, but from forty to sixteen is pretty dramatic. And at sixteen, you usually still have a little bit of baby fat. And instead, she has that more kind of sculpted look that you tend to get as you get older. So it's just it's it's just hard to like. I have to remind myself, like the, you know, um, in Little Women when Florence Pugh is playing like a twelve year old, but she looks like eighteen, and so it's a little bit of like a. You yeah. feel like you're watching an incredibly immature 18-year-old. Yeah. There's a little bit like she she does it really well. It doesn't feel like you're watching a 40-year-old pretending to be 16. But mm. it's just she, she's a really good actress. Yeah. But it's still a little bit like having to remind myself that. But I, I'm belaboring that point way too much. She's a really good actress. The the guy she's playing um, who plays the male lead is really good in it. Um. I'm enjoying it. It's the kind of thing you might enjoy sometime, but it's sixty-something episodes because China.
0: I am. I am still working on. It's okay to not be okay. I haven't made it past episode three yet, so I've been
1: really busy. I, I mean, I that, I only even suggest to my star in a away because you have watched all that other LGBTQIA stuff, and it is short. So, yeah,
0: no, I I actually one of I wanted to watch an episode of It's Okay to Not Be Okay yesterday or this weekend. I'm not really sure how that's going to work timing wise, but. Cause there's also, there's always so many things to do, but, yeah. um, I, that I want to finish away, which I started speaking. So what, what are we going to watch? I want to finish away that TV show, which I started. It's a season on Netflix. And I've only got like an episode or two left. I do want to keep watching. It's okay to not be okay. We're getting close to finishing Stargate, which is really nice. There's some other stuff we're watching. I can't even remember what I've started. Star Trek. I want to make sure I actually keep watching the first show, the, the original series of Star Trek So there's all that stuff. You've
1: just been Um, so busy.
0: I've just been so busy. I honestly don't know what I'm gonna watch with movies this week. We have one movie left in our Godzilla box set, the Showa era box set from Criterion, which is Terror of Mechagodzilla, which I need to watch. And then I will have completed that box set and feel like I've done something, some big accomplishment.
1: Meaningful with your life. All the Godzillas will meet you in the auditorium and tell you how important you were to them.
0: (laughs) I like that idea. I want to do that, and I also want to keep watching the Japanese noirs. But yeah, I have no clue because I've been working like, tw- I've been working like seven till seven or eight in the evening, and it's just like I don't really want to do anything after that. So I actually like paying some attention to the movies. But 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 for us, we are also watching The Quiet Man from nineteen fifty two, uh, which I, I who is it in that? It's like John Wayne. No, who is it? Um, yeah. John Wayne? No. Yeah. Is it John Wayne? Look it up. I forget who's in that, remind me. And we're watching Funny Face, which is Audrey Hepburn and Frank Sinatra, I think. Right?
1: <laughs> Who knows who's in any of these things? Yes, it's totally John Wayne and it's a John Ford film and it may not be that funny, but we're gonna find out.
0: Yeah. Um, and uh, I don't you know, we're we're, moved, we're we're in the 50s now is basically what we're doing. And it's gonna be, that will be the, the last week of February and that will be our last week of um, rom-com rom-com so this well, we're also
1: going to watch his girl friday um tomorrow with our mother so that'll be another rom-com for you to add to your list which has Rosalind russell in it who I've oh kind of right been right right
0: and maybe if we feel so inspired we'll even talk about it on the podcast but we will see i guess one of us owes another movie because now we've seen mr holland's opus but
1: yeah but no uh,
0: yeah. well you wanted
1: me to watch skate kitchen
0: i wanted to watch skate kitchen but yeah yeah
1: Let's and deal let's, with that
0: later. Yeah, because I may not have time for an extra movie anyway. So uh,
1: okay.
0: let's let's see how that goes. But that's those are that's my plans to watch anything. You're just watching more K dramas, right?
1: But you know what? I'm watching because it's Valentine's Day as we record.
0: Oh. My Valentine
1: wants to watch um, Synchronic, so we'll oh. watch that tonight.
0: Nice. I'm. But really other than looking that, yeah, that. I
1: might end up watching more Chinese historical fantasy dramas. We'll see what happens.
0: Yeah, I really want to watch Synchronic, but. Anyways, uh, speaking of, it's past lunchtime and it is also yeah, Valentine's I'm... Day. So let us be off with our lives. Hope you've enjoyed listening to this. Hope you had a great Valentine's Day. Uh, bye Goodbye. bye, everybody.